Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Places Where We Go. And today we're going to take a little trip down memory lane. So in 2019, we spent about three weeks traveling South Wales and South England. And during that time, we saw a lot of stuff. We did. So we are going to end our visit in these places with a list of our top five places, our personal top five places. Kind of our top memories. Yeah, that we enjoyed and and really stood out for each of us. Yeah. So while we saw quite a number of places that I think end up on, you know, your tourist guidebooks and, you know, places that people should see, we saw some of those. We just also spent a little bit of time thinking about, okay, after all was said and done, what were the very best memories that we had? Mm -hmm. And maybe some of those might be some of those places and maybe some of them will be something different. So so we each have our own top five. So you'll walk away with what was for us our top 10. And I'm going to start with my number five memory, which was the time that we spent in Somerset in Exmoor National Park. I wanted to say forest, but I think it's National Park. We stayed in the city of Dunster. Mm-hmm. It's not really a city. It's a very small village. Very ancient village with quite a history. Yeah. And right at the kind of the end of the road in this very small street that runs through Dunster is kind of the gateway to Exmoor National Park. And we had spent one afternoon just taking a walk there. And I can just vividly remember you know, walking down one of the hiking trails. Mm -hmm. We both love national parks. We spend a bit of time in the United States. We're still trying to see as many national parks as we can. And as far as I can remember, this might be the only national park that I've ever been to outside of the United States. Other than, and I'd have to research this, I don't know when we went to Morski Oko in Poland, if that's in a national park area, I don't know. But if that wasn't, then this would be the only national park I've been to outside of the USA. So because of that, it has some special memory. I just It was just kind of neat to be in a nature setting in an area that was unfamiliar to us. And while we've been on lots of hiking trails, and I think you even made a comment <laughs> when we were walking. Like you've been, one I wasn't going to say you've anything. Been, yeah, you've been on all, on all of them. But it, w- it was special to me. And I remember we were trying to look for this thing called Bat Castle that we failed. We didn't find. Oh, we were almost on top of it. If we just went up that one hill. Yeah. So we know where it is now. So if we ever make it back... We know exactly where to go for Bad Castle. And if you want to know mm-hmm. how to get there, you must go back to our podcast. On Dunster. On Dunster. Yeah. We'll tell you all about it. Mm-hmm. So strolling through a national park in a foreign country was my number five memory. 
Okay, my number five memory, one of my favorites, was the Churchill War Rooms. I've always had an interest in history, and World War II is something that I that has always fascinated me, and it's fascinating. It fascinated my father too. So I think there was some discussion in the home, uh, you know, about World War II and the Korean War, and they were more nostalgic memories when he thought about his dad. My father's dad, my grandfather, being in World War II, and then my dad was in Korea. So there was this nostalgia that mm. was connected to it. So that I've had this fascination with it. And so when we walked into the Churchill War Rooms, to see everything that was pretty much in the original state when they walked out of those underground facilities when the war was over was kind of mind-blowing. And I think that's why I liked it so much is because you looked at these maps on the walls and the radio equipment, the radio rooms, and the stories that were attached to it. It was very thrilling for me to see that. When I go to a place like that, and we all know how the story ends on World War II and kind of who wins the war. But sometimes I think about there was a possibility that things could have ended up very differently. And if it were not for the leadership of people like Winston Churchill, who this particular place is all about, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what things would have been like today? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Moving on? Moving on to number four. Okay. So my number four, and this is kind of a combination of places, and one of them is technically a tourist place. I think it's off the beaten path, if you would, to a certain extent. So this is the property of Osterley Park, just outside of the center of London. Mm -hmm. And I'm bolting onto this Richmond Palace, which is kind of nearby. And for me, so talking about nostalgia, I had known that when my dad had spent, I think five years during his teenage years in England, he had spent time in one of these two properties. So we were on a, a mission to try to see where he might have been. We were able to get into Osterley House and take a, a tour of the downstairs, and that's open to everybody. Mm-hmm. They have tours there that are part of the National Trust, and there is a series of houses that if people are into architecture of notable English homes, this is one of several that people can go see. And the second house was Richmond Palace, which is not open to people today, but the property exists. There's a plaque on the outside that gives its very rich history going back to the monarchy of, I think, Henry VIII. It goes back quite quite a ways. And the reason my dad was able to spend time I know for sure at Richmond Palace was during his time in Britain and he was part of this Polish military contingent and when it would be time for holidays these boys would be taken in by British families and for my dad and his twin brother they were taken in by the actress Virginia Cheryl who happened to be married to Lord Jersey at the time so so she was Lady Jersey and because of the connection that he made with her, he was able to leave England. Were it not for her, I don't know that he would have ended up in the States where he ended up. And if he didn't end up here, I never would have met you and we would not be here today Uh (laughs) doing this podcast. So there you go. I'm kind of connecting the dots. So Mm -hmm. yeah, visiting those historic homes was uh, special to me. 
I'm so glad I met you. Shall we move on to my number four? I have the White Tower, which is located in the Tower of London in that area. So you're getting it to a specific so spot. So it's a very there. specific building within that all those buildings. So not the Crown Jewels. No, it was interesting, but it wasn't yeah. my favorite. Okay. So why um, the White Tower? The White Tower, when you look at its rich history, and it was built many centuries ago by somebody that is a possible connection to my ancestry. So that was fascinating for me. And then you've got those two princes that were killed, and they never found the bodies, so you found these little child's bones within the white tower and somewhere buried in the walls and so it's got this incredibly rich history you have some of the monarchy that we know well that had lived there throughout the ages the building itself the structure itself was different from anything else that i had seen in regards Mm. to the chimney that had no flue Mm -hmm. that the smoke would just go out into the building and go out of the holes that that were built into the walls and the hugeness the vastness of it it was just it seemed gigantic even on the inside that building also had that chapel yeah was that in and that was one of my most favorite things within that building was saint john's chapel yeah because it's still a working chapel, and it's something that still had its Catholic history attached to it. Mm. And it wasn't lost there, and they kept that Catholic history there. So that was really, really fascinating. So that building just really caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Moving on to number three, my third most cherished memory was attending an organ concert at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. So this is something that we did toward the tail end of our journey. And this was something that we came upon. Yeah. It wasn't something that we were going to do in the itinerary. No. I think you knew there was an organ concert. You didn't know who. Yeah, I think when we were there, I probably one of the evenings after we had done our visiting for the day, I went on the on my phone and just kind of looked for what kind of music or entertainment was available. We were talking about even going to see a play in... um, Piccadilly. Yeah, by Piccadilly Circus. Covent Garden, I think, is where the theaters are, I think. But I stumbled across this organ concert, and there's... I haven't been to many organ concerts in the States. I could probably count on one hand the number that I've been to here. But I have had a chance over the years to hear organs several times in Europe. So when I was a teenager, I just remember one afternoon, you know, leaving from wherever my parents were and just walking in this village into this church and I happened to stumble across this organ concert. And there was something about it that resonated with me, just like in St. Paul's Cathedral. There's something about hearing this man-made, very intricate instrument in the reverberant walls of a cathedral setting, hearing this ancient music come to life by a modern performer. And it's almost as if when you're in these types of buildings, hearing that instrument and that music, it's almost like the building comes to life in some way. I mean, that's kind of the experience for me. I mean, we had stumbled across a very proficient virtuoso, phenomenal organist. He gave a great concert. There was hundreds of people in the church. And again, like you said, it wasn't one of the things that we planned for in advance. We just kind of happened upon it. And it was this 
just special moment this one evening in London that was super enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I agree. So having the chance to hear and experience live music during travel is, I think, something that anybody could probably seek out and do. And then you can have your own musical memory from your travel. Okay, let's go on to my number three, which is a very well-known area, but I found it to be quite peaceful and lovely, and that would be Hyde Park. Now, Hyde Park is a gigantic area, and it is filled with areas within the park itself you know, whether you're going from one end of the park to the other with memorials and statues and lakes and man-made lakes, um, mm-hmm. I would guess, um, birds of all sorts. I mean, it's just got so many things in it that you could spend two days in that park and probably not see everything. It's immense. We spent hours, I think. We spent hours there. And a lot of times we were going from one place to the next Mm -hmm. and we would actually walk through the park. But the places that I enjoyed the most um, that we did stop and look at within the park was actually Princess Diana's Memorial. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very, very nice. And it just seemed fitting for her. It seemed very well done, like it captured her personality. And it was very enjoyable and people were enjoying themselves in the water. It was a water feature. Mm -hmm. And there were some people that were just enjoying themselves in the water. And and it seemed to be something that you could do there. There was, there was no off limits there and which would be Diana. Diana would be somebody that just opened up her arms to everybody. So I, I just thought it was very, very nice. The other statue that I really liked was the Peter Pan statue, which is very iconic for London. And we have grandchildren that absolutely love the story. So it was just seemed very fitting to be there Mm -hmm. in that place at that moment, because that's Hyde Park is where Peter Pan got his start, right? Is that how the story goes? And that turned out to be a bit of an adventure because we knew that the statue was in the park, but we didn't know exactly where it was. So... Yeah, and there's lots of paths all over yeah. the, the park. And it was just, to me, it was thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Even when, when we got caught in that gigantic storm, you know, there was lots of trees and we ran towards a tree and we hid under it and started talking to a Canadian and we had a wonderful conversation mm-hmm. with her. So it was just, for me, anything that's outdoors and a beautiful spot like that, I really enjoy. All right. So keeping with the outdoor theme, we're going to go to my number two which is now in Wales. And this one ended up being a complete surprise for me because I was expecting, for whatever reason, something totally different than what this was. But this was St. Fagan's Museum. So we had planned to go to this museum because we had read about it before we um, did this travel. So I knew one day when we were in Wales, we were going to go to St. Fagan's Museum and apparently learn some stuff about Wales. And I remember there's a whole long story about how we even got there. So, you know, we get off the bus and then see the building that you walk into and it seemed small-ish. And I remember thinking that, okay, we're going to blow through this fairly quickly. (laughs) And as we walked into the building, there was some door into some gardeny looking area that some people were going through and we walked through the door. And I think when we did our episode on on visiting St. Fagans, I think my analogy was like the movie The Wizard of Oz, where it starts out in this black and white 
and then Dorothy steps out into Oz and everything comes becomes colorized. And that's what it felt like for me when we walked through the doors of the building into this expansive outdoor museum. I didn't know it was going to be this outdoor museum. And we spent the bulk of the day, I mean, probably six hours Mm -hmm. just exploring these buildings that in many cases, they were original structures from different points in time, different parts of Wales that had been disassembled and then put back together again on the grounds of this museum. And in those six hours kind of felt like we had walked through time and walked through Mm -hmm. the country of Wales within the grounds of this museum. And we had met this fantastic ambassador for Wales, one of the docents in one of the buildings we had this fantastic conversation with. And um, he kind of whet my appetite for returning to Wales someday and going to visit Snowdonia. So so he gave us a great commercial for that. That was a special memory for me. One, because it turned out to be a surprise. It was something different than I expected. And it turned out then to just be this immensely enjoyable day. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to my number two. That would be the Halton RAF military base and the Trench Art Museum. Mm -hmm. So going there, we knew your dad's history and your uncle's history. And this has a direct connection to that. And when you hear or read about somebody's history, it seems to come alive almost when you're walking in their steps. Mm -hmm. So for me, walking in your dad's steps, it was... um, very emotional Mm -hmm. and it had this i mean seeing his picture and and your uncle's picture for the first time you know when when the um docent opened up the book i don't know was he a docent or who what was he curator curator yeah he opens up this book and he knew what we were going to find he already knew and i think he was just waiting for us to open up to this amazement you Mm -hmm. know that oh my gosh there they are and that's exactly what happened yeah and to see the buildings, you know, that they actually slept in, the area that they actually marched in, and to know that this journey that he took and, and the ability for him to get out of Palestine to England to this military base is what saved their lives. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. It yeah. was an incredible walk with him at that moment. Yeah. We also were surprised there by happenstance, we were able to visit an archives area that they had, had no idea we were going to get that opportunity. And um, you jumped on that. Yeah. And we were able to go through this box of letters and photographs and mementos from this class that my dad was a part of in the mid 1940s here in England. And So I've actually recently started to go through all those letters and starting to transcribe those. And at some point, we'll we'll find a way to make some of that information available on the website. But for anybody who is in England or planning a trip in the next couple of years to England, this museum may only be open for a few more years. So if anybody has an interest in World War II history has connection to particularly Polish airmen who served in Britain or went to the the, the trade schools there, or there's so many 
British military people who walked through the RAF military mm-hmm. base as well, mm-hmm. too. Just a phenomenal museum. And it's one of those that is really, really off the beaten path. But yes. it's a it's a treasure that I was I was shocked when we learned right before our travels that it existed. Mm-hmm. I thought this place would have been long gone. Mm-hmm. And the fact that not only exists, but they have a museum there that preserves these memories. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. The number one. Time for number one. So for me, and you're kind of keeping with the family theme, I'm going to have the the Liverpool UNESCO waterfront area. <laughs> the main thing that we visited here was the Merseyside Maritime Museum, which had a number of exhibits that included things like the history of people immigrating and emigrating in and out of Liverpool through the years. There was a history of the shipping that came through Liverpool and and its docks with an emphasis on the wartime. And that's where I gained this new appreciation for just how dangerous the journeys were in the seas during the wartime. You know, they had these maps up that showed where the German U-boats were, where ships were getting blown apart. You know, on the one hand, if you have an affinity for World War II history or American history, there was the one depiction of the, the merchant ships and the perilous voyages that just getting merchandise from one coast to the other and the perils that those ships went through and many of them did not survive. And then looking at what the waters looked like, you had mentioned, you know, my dad's journey from Palestine around the Cape of Africa to Liverpool. The fact that they, that ship made it and didn't get blown up. I walked away from this museum with an appreciation of just how miraculous that journey was. So this great museum there, lots to see on the waterfront. And I guess, you know, lastly, with you know, the family history, I had known that my dad had left Europe from Liverpool through the genealogy that you had done. And during our time in England, also learned or probably maybe relearned, because if I had known this, I had forgot about it. But when he arrived in England, it was also at the docks of Liverpool. So there's this this kind of special family connection that the story that kind of had its roots in Liverpool and just being able to be there just kind of makes knowing that history, it helped to bring it to life. Yeah. So my number one memory. My number one memory also has a family connection. We started this trip in Southern Wales mm-hmm. and that is where my family connection is way, way back into the 13th century. So it was stuff that I had researched and connected the dots and figured out that this place called Raglan Castle was actually a place where my ancestors had lived, the Herberts. And you knowing this information, you sought out, you know, how can we get there? What's the travel going to look like? And you sought all that out. And I just followed along as usual. But we had gotten to the city of Raglan and through a little bit of confusion, it was kind of a fun trip, Mm -hmm. and walked over a highway. I mean, literally, we had to walk over (laughs) through a highway to get to this castle. And I just remember walking up to it and seeing this immense, magnificent structure. It was in ruins, but it was so much of it that was intact that you could see, you know, it was a castle and it was 
huge and immense and it, and it had such grandeur at, at one point in history mm-hmm. and um it was very very exciting yeah i think very that, exciting for me of all the places that we went to that's the one <laughs> that's the one i still remember walking up to it kind of that sense of oh my gosh we're here and we're yeah. seeing it and uh it was real you know? and we spent a lot of time there we yeah. went through every section that we could and we read everything that we could and took lots and lots of pictures and just because it was the connection because they had one room that actually had the family members names on the plaques mm-hmm. and a little bit about their story that was just the biggest highlight for me in this trip and I do want to go back because I think there's way more history there that I didn't know now I know and mm-hmm. I want to go to these other places and part of that is the Agincourt Wales Trail that has Eight castles along the way that ha- all, each one of them have their own history. Yeah, and this is one of the castles on the trail. This is one of the castles yeah. on the trail, and each one has their own history, and some of them are connected to the Herbert family and some other family, the Somersets, and that are all connected in this very, very long, long time ago when my ancestors were alive. So I'm excited to yeah. go back. So when this whole COVID thing is behind us, We've got Snowdonia and the Agincourt yes, got- Trail in Wales. So Wales, yeah. I think, is high on the list for a future visit. We've been talking about our travels in England for about a year. <laughs> so this is going to wrap up all of the adventures. And we, we thought we would just kind of put the candle on the cake with our top memories. So there it is. And I think with this, we're going to say goodbye for now from our travels in England and Wales. We will probably, as we continue our podcast, I think start to shift over to some USA domestic travels that we've done. So we're gonna keep going with the podcast, but we're gonna be traveling in some new places. So we invite you to join us and see where we travel to next. And thank you for coming to the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us, about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now. <laughs>